This is Other Voices. We're listening to varied views from local people who might otherwise not be heard. I'm Melissa Hale, Spencer, editor of the Altamont Enterprise, which focuses on Albany County, New York. You can reach me at mhs at altamontenterprise.com. I'm talking to Anita Martin of Dancing Horse Farm in East Bern. As a certified equine sports massage therapist, she helps horses in pain. Her mother rode horseback when she was pregnant with Martin, which she says made her comfortable in utero with the rhythm of riding. She finds traveling on horseback more natural than walking and prefers riding bareback. She is organizing an Everything Equine Festival at the Altamont Fairgrounds June 17th and 18th. Her goal, she said, is to get the horse people together, network, and help support each other. Could you just kind of give us an idea of why you called your book The Horse Less Traveled? Sure. Well, I grew up with horses, Melissa, and at a very young age, I never followed their traditional horse way of showing English or Western. I was more interested in the horses themselves and what made them tick and um, how to better communicate and work with them. So I took a very untraditional journey into the horse world, helping people with their horses, a lot of backyard horses that people needed help, just understanding them, speaking the same language. And so I spent a lifetime just almost being the interpreter for people and their horses. So it was a very untraditional uh, path that I took, but um, very much needed. Yes. Well, when I was a child, one of my favorite books was Dr. Doolittle. I don't know. I'm showing my age. You probably don't even know what that is. But he was a man that talked to animals. And when I read your book, that's how it struck me. Like you were the Dr. Doolittle of horses. If you could just kind of walk us through um, your life, which is described in this book, and it it's just the way you wrote it, it's very direct and it, it just feels like it's from the heart. I'm going to just pick out one passage here. Um, it, it says, uh, my mother felt strongly about us learning to ride bareback. She wanted us to be safe, develop good balance and have a real understanding for the horse under us. This develops into an organic, natural feel and connection with a horse. For years, I didn't even own a saddle. So just tell us, if you just capture in so many passages your connection with this pony candy, but just kind of walk us through your earliest life. You say even when your mother was pregnant with you, you were on the horse and away in her womb, but just kind of Walk us through that story for people who probably won't be reading the book. <laughs> well, if my parents rode, we always had, always had horses. Uh, so I was born into the horse world, um, actually, <laughs> in utero. Um, so I always felt natural and comfortable around them. I always felt like I belonged on top of a horse. 
And I always felt like even my own feet were foreign to me, but being on top of a horse was more natural and comfortable. I was fascinated by them. I remember when I was little, I would just sit and study them and their interactions. Um, So at about the age of 13, um, neighbors, people, you know, they'd always seen me riding and knew I was so engulfed in the horse world. They would ask me for help with um, ways that they didn't understand their horse or they got a horse and, and the two were not understanding each other or problems developed. And so I would go and try to help them and work with them to understand each other. And as time went on, I realized that there's a huge need for people in the horse world that aren't exactly into showing or competing in any big fancy way, but just the down to earth people that love horses, but don't exactly have a whole lot of education or experience behind them because where are you going to get that? Um, And so they end up, you know, getting a horse for free or purchasing and need a little bit of help. And as time went on, that really was what I wanted to do. I realized um, early on in life that there was a huge population of horses going to auction and going to slaughter, horse slaughter, which has devastated me. And I made myself a promise that I would do whatever it took one horse at a time to change that and help prevent that. And I believe it started with the humans and the horses humans. If you can educate people, you can help horses, just like I'm educating on someone what it's like to own, let's say, a large dog or a hyper dog. Um, just to help people will help the horses and help the long-term problem. Wow, there's so much in in what you've just said to unpack here, (laughs) because we live in a world where horses are no longer central. And just a century ago, people that read our paper and see the back in time column, that's just when the cars were coming in and kind of displacing the horses, although there were still horses out and about doing farm work, taking people where they wanted to go, either on their backs or pulling carriages or sleighs. And it used to be such a part of everyday life. And now it's something that's foreign to most of us. So it seems like part of what you're saying is you have to educate the general population that isn't attuned to horses the way you are of of their, I don't know, humanness isn't the right word. What is of their their qualities as beings that, that had to be respected. Is that, is that kind of a good synopsis? <laughs> uh, yes, absolutely. It, it definitely applies to the general public uh, because you never know. Somebody um, might say, hey, I, I've got a horse. I, I've, got to, I've got to find it a home quick. I have to move or, you, you know, there's a, a wide variety of issues that can come up in life that someone would have to place their horse. And I've gotten asked that question. um, What do I do? I, you know, the horse hasn't been ridden in years, so um, I can't really sell it as a rideable horse. Maybe the, the human, maybe the owner had medical issues that came up. And so, um, 
you know, I, I'll give the horse away, but who's going to want a horse like that? And, you know, it becomes, it becomes a, a actually very large problem. And these people want the best for their horse. So let's say they're trying to place it. Um, and so somebody else hears, ooh, free horse. Uh, I'll jump on that. Not really knowing and understanding the responsibility, the proper care. I mean, all animals need proper shelter, clean water, a proper food. Horses have dental problems, horses have back problems, horses have feet problems. They, you know, it's not just, um, you know, an animal that you throw in the backyard and look at and think they're going to be okay occasionally. Unfortunately, I get a lot of phone calls um, from family members and or um, elderly owners that their their horses um, going downhill, you know, they're, they're well-being is diminishing and can you help what can you do and a lot of times unfortunately it's too late and it's no fault no judgment on the humans it's just life dishes out a lot of things that we can't predict or control and there's always the animals um often that it trickles down to unfortunately i really feel strong that the general public needs to recognize this and somehow help. And also educating people. A free horse isn't always a free horse, and it might not be the perfect horse for you. So how can we help this human to properly place their horse? There are horse rescues. There are horse sanctuaries. Um, a lot of them are full. Uh, COVID affected their donations quite a bit uh, and fundraisers. So it's it's a ripple effect, and it's actually a really large problem in the United States. The overpopulation of recreational horses that end up at auctions, that end up at slaughter. Wow. So another aspect of your work with horses, I'd like to talk about. You're a certified equine sports massage therapist. Can you tell us... <laughs> what that process is, what that means, and what kind of work that you do? Absolutely. So on this journey of trying to help the horse world one horse at a time, these horses, when I was young, that I was getting called to help, let's say somebody got this great horse, you know, they adopted or, or you know, they bought it, whatever, and... um Let's say four or five months later, the horse starts bucking for no reason and, you know, bucking, kicking up their back end or biting or kicking or rearing. There's, there's so many, so many different ways a horse will manifest pain. And instinctively, I knew that these horses didn't just automatically turn evil. They were well-fed or well-cared for. There's just, to me, I believed that they were in pain. And the more I worked with the animal, the more I understood that, yes, they are in pain and they need help. Um, they can't tell us with words, but they certainly tell us with body language and actions, which means the bucking, the rearing, the biting, the kicking. So what to do about it? Horse, horses in pain, I've had my own back pain, so I totally understood that it can change your behavior and your personality. But how do I help this human and this horse? 
So I worked on different methods to retrain horses to not act inappropriately to pain, but to um, a, a different way for them to handle it and try to work with their pain. There's many different things that the average horse owner can do and watch for if they suspect that their horse is acting out of pain or their horse all of a sudden has bad behavior or undesirable behavior, really. Um, so I researched this and tried to figure out what I can do. I've got to try to help these horses. Years ago, um, horse chiropractors were not a thing. Horse massage therapists were really not a thing. But I was asked by a friend, as you read in my book, The Backstory, that um, to go to a horse clinic, which is, you know, a professional um, hosting a clinic. And it was on equine massage. And I knew right away that that changed the course of my life. I went down to Equisage in Round Hill, Virginia, took the course, got certified, and immediately had clients left and right um, because it, it it did solve a lot of these issues. So equine sport massage, horses are athletes, so it's called sport massage. It's you know, not designed as a as a fluff, fluff, feel good massage. It's actually dealing with muscle trauma and muscle pain, pain management. And so, if you can if you can alleviate muscle trauma, muscle inflammation, spasms by just working with pressure points and and using certain methods to alleviate that, then the horse, great, he's out of pain. He'll do better. Um, and you'll see a difference immediately and the horses and the humans can go back to this wonderful life because we all know what back pain, toothache, headache, we all know how it affects us personally as humans, but you have these large animals that are asked to do work for us and you're putting a saddle on their back and you're adding the human element to it, but not thinking, does that saddle fit? So when I was working on horses, getting called all over the East Coast to work on horses, a lot of the trauma was in the saddle area on the back. So, Melissa, if you think about buying a pair of shoes at the store because they look great, they fit, but you get them home, you wear them the next day to work, you're on your feet all day, and let's say you're carrying a load. <laughs> let's say you're carrying... <laughs> you know, 30, 40 pounds up and down, up and down. And you realize your feet are killing you. These shoes actually weren't meant for this. That's what it's like for a horse, but they don't have a say in it. Uh, saddles, saddle manufacturers are starting to understand this a little bit more clear and pay a little bit more attention and change their ways. Some of them as to how they are building saddles. But, um, People rarely think, does the saddle fit the horse back then? So I also pursued saddle fitting course, which wasn't even heard of back then. But I, I did find a, an old cowboy um, west of here. And from there forward, horses taught me, people taught me. You know, I, I just heard what people were telling me. And I, and I let the horse explain to me. 
with, you know, when I would touch them and work on their spots, really what was bothering them, how, why, what changed, and educating people that just because a saddle is pretty doesn't mean it's going to fit your horse. And it's, it's a big problem. You can't just go buy a saddle um, and try it on your horse and return it. Some places let you do it, but not all places. So in the pursuit of helping the horse world one horse at a time, helping their backs and educating the humans on proper saddle fit is a large part of what I do. So do you yourself have a horse? Do you have your own horse? <laughs> I have several. Okay. Uh, let's see. Um, You're an eastbound with these horses. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. We have, we have nine horses and three on the farm that don't belong to me that are my friends. So altogether, there's 12 horses. And our farm is called Dancing Horse Farm in Eastburn. Oh, I love the name. <laughs> it sounds like they're happy if they're dancing. Dancing horse. So um, these nine horses of yours and three horses of friends, are they, do they sort of travel together? I mean, is there like a horse community feeling there? Yes. Um, let's see. Do they travel together? <laughs> I think of horses, you know, uh, in herds or groups kind of, you know, being part of a community or is that not how it works? Oh, no, it absolutely. They're herd animals. So mm -hmm. you've got, they've got favorites. They've got friends. Um, I, I have two horses that don't like each other. They're in the same herd. They don't hurt each other, but they're always giving each other dirty looks and, and don't come near me. It's really kind of funny. Um, <laughs> the dynamics of a horse herd. If, if people observe it, I think they would learn so much about themselves and about life in general um, because they're amazing animals to watch and they can teach us so much, so much. But I just want to, I just want to say regarding the saddle fitting, I have always felt, and I still feel, that the majority of horses that end up at auction and end up at slaughter, if you, if you trace the horse's problem, you can trace it to bad-fitting saddles a lot of times, and their behavior has turned bad, and the humans, uh, no judgment at all, just didn't know what to do. So that's why it's really important to me to educate people about this. Let's help that horse have a nice, happy, secure life because he's not in pain. And he's not going to hurt a human out of pain also because bucking and rearing, kicking and biting is very dangerous. Yeah, well, you seem also to be an advocate or someone who does it yourself of bareback riding. Tell us about that. <laughs> I have my mother to thank for that. So when you sit on a horse, you're actually sitting on their spine, their central nervous system. So when you're riding a horse, if you're riding a horse bareback, you can feel every move they make. I'm not sure how many people are familiar with the fact that a horse can feel a fly land on their back. And, you know, they flick their skin to get the fly off. Imagine what it feels like for them to have a human sitting on them. But they can feel you and you can feel them. You can feel their thoughts. 
because their brain has to relay it to their body. Oh, there's a monster up there and you can feel their body tense up. Therefore, you can control the situation so nobody gets hurt or it gets out of control. So the messages going back and forth from human to horse are absolutely incredible. When I work with people in their horses and give lessons, I always start them out bareback. That way, they can center their body on the horse. They're not, they learn gradually to develop that sense of balance and read the horse. And that way, if something goes wrong, they're not busy trying to hold on. They actually can control the horse through their hands, with the reins, and prevent an accident or a runaway horse. So it's it's safety also. It's not just this amazing way that you can communicate with your horse, but you're not holding on to the saddle because you've learned that independent balance. So it's to me, it's crucial that people learn that before they even graduate to a saddle because it's a piece of equipment. It's almost like riding a bike and putting you know, like an encyclopedia between you and the seat of the bike. It would feel so weird. (laughs) Yeah, when you put it that way, it would. But I've never known anyone, uh, just having taken my children for beginning riding lessons, it seems like the saddle to a beginner is kind of a a secure perch like a chair and what a wonderful idea that you start without that so that instead of feeling like you're sitting in a chair you're you're communing with this animal that you're riding on that's that's quite a concept do people take to that when they're beginning riders do they they do they do they do They absolutely love it. And when it comes time for me to teach them how to properly ride in a saddle, they don't want to. They're like, please, can I just stay with the bareback? But they have to learn the proper way to ride in a saddle. There's far too many accidents that happen in a saddle also because of the lack of being properly trained in a saddle. So -hmm. the saddle isn't. The saddle isn't there to keep you from falling off. That's not the purpose of the saddle. The purpose of the saddle is for the comfort of your butt and to give a little bit more leverage. Uh, On long rides, when I do long distance rides, I'm in a saddle, (laughs) you know, because your butt can get a little bit sore after a while. Yeah, you had that one chapter on the, was it a 25-mile sort of endurance uh, race that you were in, that was that was quite quite exciting. You, you had the start with a gun, which you hadn't expected, and this whole mass of horses um, traveling at once until they sorted themselves out. And then you right away came across a hornet's nest that those in front of you had, you know, uh, kind of made angry and you just raced right through it. I just can't imagine. Ah, uh, well, I don't want to run out of time before we get to what I thought was going to be the centerpiece of this discussion. And that is what you're planning for this festival. How did you get the idea to do it? What's it like to organize something like this? What can people expect if they go to the fairgrounds? Just tell us about the festival. 
Okay, so when I moved to Albany County a few years back, I was really amazed at the large population of horses in the county. I just couldn't believe it. They were all over the place. Um, And I thought, wouldn't it be great to get together, somehow get the horse people together, network, help each other, support each other, support the horse industry in the community and in the county. And New York State, Horse people have to travel outside of the state to attend equine festivals. There's a large one in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. There's a large one in Massachusetts. And we were, you know, it's a big industry for those festivals. And I just thought we should do something here in Albany County. It would be amazing. I can't believe nobody else has thought of that before. And so it began. Um, I, I, took it on. (laughs) It's been amazing. It's really been uh, exciting, challenging, rewarding. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, just so grateful to the wonderful horse people that I've met to the community that has joined forces with me on this amazing adventure. Uh, Anybody who's interested in coming, it's June 17th and 18th at the Altamont Fairgrounds. It is called Everything Equine Festival. There is going to be events in three different arenas, horse events. I have a roping demonstration. There's going to be somebody talking about if you want to, if you want to adopt a Mustang and what that is like. Uh, there's going to be clinics there. There's going to be demonstrations, uh, freestyle. There's going to be so much going on. There's vendors, there's horse vendors, there's going to be tables where you can talk one-on-one with these clinicians. Um, There's going to be uh, equine emergency and first aid talk there. It's just going to be packed full of horse things that the horse (laughs) enthusiasts would absolutely Um, love to experience. We're hoping to have a drill team. We have a vaulting team. So it's also going to be entertaining. We have um, a mechanical bull, some some live music, and there's still a lot more coming in the next three months. It's going to be great. Wow. I can't believe you've organized all this. Do you have like a committee or how are you, how are you pulling this together? (laughs) Committee? I do not have a committee, but I would welcome any and more volunteers. I I do have an amazing uh, person that has joined forces with me. I call her my marketing director. She herself is a vendor, and she said, hey, I can help you with this or that. That's my world, and she's done amazing. There is a lot to organize, um, and I have been single-handedly doing it with, you know, emotional support from wonderful friends and family, Um, and I hope it's a good turnout. I hope everybody leaves there very happy, and it seems to be going really good at this point early on so far. So if there is someone listening who wants to volunteer, how would they get in touch with you? They can email everything equine festival at gmail.com. They can call or text me at 845 706 6687. 
they can also go directly to the website, which is Everything Equine Festival. Um, so that's good. And... Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's several ways to reach you. Well, our time has just gone so fast. Uh, do you have any closing thoughts that you'd like to leave our listeners with? Anything that they should take away from you or or from your work? I would like people to feel comfortable to reach out for help. I people that have horses and don't understand what's going on or ran into some hardship, reach out to horse people because the horse community is amazing and it's really all about the horses. So we're all in it really because we love horses. Even even if you had one when you were a child and you don't have one now, educate yourself and reach out. I just think that's great advice, even when it's not about horses. So thank you so much, Anita Martin. You are very welcome. 